What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the What's Goody podcast. I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Sean Baker. What's up, dude? Oh, man. Hey, it's good to, good to, good to catch up with you, Logan. It's uh, nice yes. to, uh, you know, like we were talking off camera, you know, it's like I always like, I always like talking to my Texas folks. And so good to have you there. And, and you know, I was, uh, you, you've been just doing such great work over the years. I mean, it's great to see, you know, the, your own personal transformation and then the inspiration that you've um, undoubtedly uh, helped many, 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 many people. So good for you. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. You too. I mean, I look, I did carnivore back in the day and, um, you know, this was, this was, it was this like 2000 and probably 18. I think I probably tried mm-hmm. it. Um, and I'm sure, you know, that's, you know, I'm sure that's where I found you. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie, like everyone else, everyone thought it was pretty crazy at first. Like what? Only eating steak and ribeyes? Like this is crazy. And I always have a funny personal story that I like to share is like, you know, before my weight loss transformation, before my fitness journey started, look, I was drinking all the time, eating your typical breakfast, which is, you know, cereal in the morning, some Pop-Tarts, you know, buffet at, at lunchtime. And then, you know, just fast food at dinner time and nobody nobody told me anything nobody said hey we're kind of worried about your diet or you probably shouldn't be eating this not one person batted their eye or told me anything but it wasn't until i started eating steak avocados olive oil <laughs> eggs red meat that people were like whoa 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 uh, you know goody you got to you got to worry about your cholesterol you got to worry about your health what are you doing and it's it's how our society is, right? It's so backwards. They start questioning you when you start eating the foods you should be eating. So I'm sure you got a lot of that when you started your uh, carnivore journey. Yeah, I mean, and I still, and you know, we were just talking, I was just on Rogan's podcast for the second time. And the first time I went on there back, you know, in 2017, talking about this all meat thing, he looked at me like, what the hell's wrong with you, dude? You're crazy, right? I mean, I could get, the, I got the vibe, you know, I was yep. sitting in there knowing that he thinks I'm nuts. And I went back just, you know, you know, a little over a week ago and it was a very different story. He was like, dude, everybody I talk to does this thing, gets healthy there. It's better. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how kind of the times have changed, at least for certain segments of the population that, you know, now instead of, instead of, you know, 99.999% of the people thinking I'm crazy now, it's only 99% of the people think I'm crazy. So (laughs) there's progress in, in in that regard, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know you're right. I mean, it's we have been conditioned to think that, uh, particularly things like red meat are just so bad for us. My God, yeah. and and you know instinctively that you like it. It's like oh my God, this is good, but I can't have it. It's bad for me. And you know the reality is probably nothing farther from the truth. And I think there's a lot of you know it's exciting times in my view. I mean, there are a lot of researches coming out that is more and more pointing to that. Yeah, I mean, animal products are good. Meat is good for you. Uh, you know, uh, so we'll see. I think the next, I think the next couple of years are going to be really exciting, and it's fun to sort of get some level of uh, validation. You don't do it for that, but you do it for you know. I do as a physician. My my whole reason for being a physician was to try to you know make sick people better, and yep. uh, I think unfortunately, <laughs> you know that that sort of ambition, noble ambition at the beginning, has now been so. I mean, it's it's gotten so bastardized and corrupted as to what medicine is today. And I don't it know really if you want, what do you want to it, focus on, but that's you know obviously I, that's that's a big thing to me is 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 what is wrong with our healthcare system and what is wrong it, with our population health in general. And as you know, I mean, you look around, 
you can walk around San Antonio or, you know, Texas, wherever, and, and just see everybody. I mean, like, everybody is sick. I mean, it's rare to see somebody, you know, outside of friggin' social media, because you see these super fit, jacked, you know, healthy people, then you look around, where, they, where, they, where do they hide? I don't yeah. see them in the real yeah. world. You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> At least funny. not where you, I live. You, I don't know. You made a, you, you posted a picture not too long ago, and it was like a, a picture of people just sitting at the beach, and I think it was like 1960s. Yeah. And then people sit on the beach in current day and wow, what a, what a night and day difference. Almost everybody in that, you know, 1960s picture, maybe, maybe it was 1950s. I'm not sure. Um, no, nobody obese, nobody. Now were they healthy or not? I'm not sure, but nobody was morbidly obese, but you go to the beach now and it's, it's everywhere. It, it's absolutely everywhere. And, and I know you've talked about this. It's a lot of we because we've changed the way we eat right seed oil yeah. processed foods sugar anything that comes in a bag or a box right it's what we yeah i mean we see especially especially alarming when you see all the kids i mean you see the little eight-year-old kids running around with big old beer bellies i said who's giving those kids beer you know <laughs> <laughs> little kids aren't supposed to have beer bellies right and and yeah. you know obviously they're not drinking beer but yeah our food system has changed dramatically in the last uh gosh you know 50 years for sure and and it's getting worse as you know i mean you can't go through a what cracks me up is you start seeing like, you know, it's like uh, Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch flavored maple syrup. It's like, what the hell? You know, they've got fake food to taste like other fake food. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's so comical to see. I mean, it's sad and comical at the same time. But yeah, we've, we've definitely, I mean, you know, anybody that, you know, and, and the sad thing is we see the medical and the, the pharmaceutical sort of, uh, you know, industrial complex, if you want to call that sort of, sort of normalizing obesity as purely a disease state that is likely genetic. And there's really nothing you can do about it. There's nothing, you know, I mean, the messaging they're getting out there is, you know, you just need to be on these drugs. I mean, literally that's what we're being told. And, and, you know, this is what these young kids are coming up. They're hearing, you know, these 15 year old kids that are obese and they're like, well, it's not my fault. There's nothing I can do about it. I'll just take the medicine. And, and they don't even think about, Hey, it's really, you know, the fact that you put, you know, 70% of your food that's put in your mouth is ultra processed nonsense, you know, and I, I know you're doing, you're, I know I see you having fun checking your blood glucose response to these various, you know, concoctions. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering, is it, do you feel like you're suffering for humanity? It's like, yeah, hey, I want to try this anyway for the hell I've of it. Said, see. I've said this many times. <laughs> I've talked about this on my stories. I fucking hate doing these readings, these blood sugar readings, right? But I, I, I did them. I did a couple of them, and and people loved them because they're like, oh man, this is it's good information, right? It's it's good to know. And what I always tell people is like, look, my numbers are my numbers, but use me as like, you know, use me as a foundation as like, hey, somebody who is no longer insulin resistant, type two diabetic, no longer obese, and has a good amount of muscle. So if this food is doing this to my body. Could you imagine what it will do to yours who, you know, for instance, maybe you, you, you don't work out and you know, you're probably pre-diabetic and you're obviously overweight. It would probably double, if not triple your blood glucose. Right. Um, but then I, I definitely got sucked in because people are sending me messages like, Hey, test this, test this. And I got to a point where I was like, dude, I don't feel good doing these tests. These tests suck. Now I know you guys love them and I'll, you know, I obviously want to do things for my followers or I want to help them out any way that I can. But I definitely take it I've taken a step back because it's not fun. It is not fun testing your blood sugar, knowing that, look, I already know this what this is going to do. I mean, this is a new cereal. I understand they're saying that it's healthy, but 
or whatever item they want me to test um a new drink at mcdonald's or or sonic and you feel like crap right you feel like crap the next you know the next couple of hours and for instance one of my worst tests that i ever did and this is kind of this is going to sound strange like, you know this was this i definitely wouldn't have thought this was going to do it but it was oatmeal oatmeal fucked me up i was mm. It dropped my blood sugar so fast. I was jittery. I was sweating. I was like just in a weird state of mind because my blood sugar had had dropped so much after a big yeah. spike. Even my hypoglycemic, wife was like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and my wife was like, what's going on with you? Look at your back. It's all drenched. And I'm like, yeah. this." And so I, I cut the test right then and there because that, that happened within like the first, I don't know, it was like maybe 30, 45 minutes. I was like, guys, this is a fail. Like, I'm not even going to go any further. Like, I need to get some fats in me. <laughs> I need to get something healthy in me. This is this is not fun. But the crazy thing is people experience this on a daily basis, and it's become normal to them. It's become yeah. an everyday part of their lives. And it's sad, but it's gotten to the point where, like, hey, this is just what happens. I always eat, and I always get shaky and tired or want to take a nap and i just run to the break room or the you know vending machine and eat a candy bar eat some popcorn whatever quick snack and i'm i'm good to go but they're doing this every single day for years and and years yeah i mean it's it's interesting because i think the average hemoglobin a1c of an american right now is actually pre-diabetic i mean that's average the average person has like a five eight five nine a1c so the average is sick which we already know i mean you look around and see that and the only, I guess the one, I mean, as you know, it's not all about a single metric, you know, yeah, yeah. Some things raise your blood glucose. We can argue how good or bad that is, but you know, at the same time, you know, you'll see that, you know, the, 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 the processed food companies, the ultra processed food companies are not naive to this. And so what they do, they design foods that are still junk food that are still cheap and profitable. And maybe they substitute, you know, erythritol for sugar and it's still junk food and it's still bad for it, but it doesn't, it doesn't have quite the insulin, the, the glucose response. And so, but it still is damaging to you in other ways. And so that's why, that's why my, when, when CGMs first came out, I said, you know, it's going to provide some information, but a lot of people will hack it. They will, they will eat to their CGM and silly junk food. And I don't, I, I obviously, I don't think that's the point of what you're experimenting. You're probably yeah. saying, Hey, you know, if your food has ingredient, you know, like, like I said, what I eat has doesn't have an ingredients label. It's just like, I know what an egg is. It, uh, you don't have a, you don't have to have an ingredient label on an egg or a hunk of yep. meat or, you know, if you're eating, even if you're eating plant foods, I mean, yeah, you know what a carrot is. You don't need, you know, 57 ingredients yep. on the back. So it's, what is it's, it, what, uh, I, what, I, what the approach that I've taken, and this is kind of like, obviously this is the mindset that I've always had at BioCoach whenever we're thinking about the direction of the company where we want to go is it's like, what would our moms do? Right. Cause my mother is the ideal person who needs, you know, my help needs your help. Right. Struggled all her life, uh, overweight, you know, um, thyroid issues, um, insulin resistant, obviously diabetic. And, but at the same time, just, there's this barrier of like understanding, right. Understanding nutrition, understanding like, well, Hey, this box says no sugar son. So this should, should be good or no sugar add. This is good. Right. And it's like, no, mom, these labels are meant to deceive you, right? These these companies are very, very smart in their wording. And so I always say, I, I try to make it simple for to understand, but then also start small, 
right? Let's, let's start, let's just start small. Let's take this food out of your diet or let's do this or, Hey, after your meals, why don't you go for a 15 minute walk? So I do like to incorporate hacks, like you said, but you're right. It's a slippery slope because people will use those hacks to beat the system. It's like, mm-hmm. and that just defeats the purpose, right? The purpose is let's try these hacks so we can eventually come up with an off ramp to these you know, bad foods. And you know, like you said, the numbers are, are staggering. One in three Americans is pre-diabetic, which is about 42% of every adult in America is pre-diabetic. We're 7% away from being 50%. And I believe in a couple of years, it will be there. Imagine that we're going to be having this conversation in a couple of years. One, one in every two American, adult Americans is pre-diabetic, which is just crazy. I don't see that number going down. Obviously, you and I are trying our best to get that number to come down. But, you know, it's, it's, it's finding an uphill battle every single day with these massive corporations. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing to me is, you know, we, we, you, know you and I both live in a country that is massively privileged. I mean, we have tremendous amount of resources, tremendous amount of wealth. I know there's people say, oh, there's other countries they think are better for whatever reason. But I think irrespective of that, the United States has so much resource. And I mean, we should, literally, we should be a nation of fit, lean, vigorous, really jacked athletes. I mean, we've got the resources for it, uh, but we're not. We pray, you know, we basically, somebody said we're farming out our, our population. We, we basically just basically farm people for money. And uh uh, you know, it is, it's interesting, you know, because there is a little bit of a conflict with some of these new weight loss drugs. I'm sure you're familiar with the Ozempix, uh, yeah, semaglutides and the trizepatides and things like that are coming out there that do seem to be efficacious for weight loss, but at, at what cost ultimately, you know, and, 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 you know, they're, the way they work is basically to, you know, basically mimic satiety in a way. I mean, they slow down the gastric, uh, you know, gastric, uh, emptying time, slow down digestion and, sort of have impact on satiety centers. But I mean, you know, to me, it's the same thing as like when I go and exercise, I run sprints or whatever, my heart rate goes up, you know, my heart works harder and and that sort of thing. And and that's generally considered a good thing in that context. But I could just as easily sit on a couch and inject a drug that would raise my heart rate. You know, I mean, there there are drugs that will do that. I mean, is anybody advocating for that? No, No, of course not. So, so we have drugs that mimic what a good diet might do to you without trying to give yourself the good diet. And so the, I think there's a, there's a conflict that occurs and, and, you know, so I've got many concerns around that, you know, and I think, uh, you know, if you look, this is an interesting fact. I didn't know that in the last 10 years, you know how many drugs the FDA has recalled for, for problems? Just no, take a, it? take a while, I guess in the last 10 years, the last 10 years, how many drugs I'll say, I'll say, take a wild guess. I'll take, I say a thousand a year. So let's say 10,000. Yeah, so it's been it's fourteen thousand drugs have been taken off the market due to problems cited by physicians, and all of them cleared the FDA, and all of them were considered quote quote unquote safe effect, safe and effective, but they all had to be pulled off the market. So it's it's one of those things that you know. No, well, I mean the I, answer is not. I don't think we're going to medicate ourselves out of this chronic disease epi- epidemic. That is not the solution in my view. I mean it is it is a pharmaceutical solution. It's very lucrative and it's it's shareholder friendly, but it does not at the root cause solve the problem, which oh, you're I mean, right. I'm, you know, I'm sure you There's and I both agree with. Two questions I have right there. So why do you think that happens? If they're passing the FDA stage one to, to get approved, is it they're not giving these drugs enough time, long enough period to get tested to see the major, you know, defects? What, what, what do you, what's the, is that the reason why? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the the sort of the drug approval process in the country has gotten a lot faster than it used to be. And and that has gone at, you know, and part of the behest, the behest of politicians and society in general says, we want more drugs. We want more drugs quicker. We, we want things that'll fix our pain because everybody's in pain. Yes. And so there's been a push for this. And, you know, they, you know, they can't conceivably do a test to test something on tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. You know, they may run a few thousand people through a clinical trial and you're going to pick up some things, the major things, but all these things that come out over time, suddenly people dropping dead or people having significant complications or problems with the drugs themselves uh, in their efficacy, perhaps, um, they, they cannot determine those things until it's kind of unleashed upon the population. So anytime there's a new drug that comes out, you know, within the first, you know, maybe even decade, you are still in the experimental phase as far as I'm concerned. So you might as well just consider yourself signing yourself up for experimental uh, uh, treatments. And, um, so that's why we see so much of that. And then, you know, the other thing is, as some people may know, the FDA is what's called, uh, you know, they've been, there's such thing as, uh, regulatory capture. And so what happens is all new drug approvals in the FDA, where do they get the funding for that? Well, the funding for that comes from the drug companies, at least something like 65% of the funding actually comes from the drug companies. And so it's like, you know, you're, you're asking to regulate yourself. And so there's obviously going to be you know, some conflicts of interest there. And then not to mention that many people that sit on the head of the FDA uh, now, you know, when they leave there, they go on to sit on the board of directors at these pharmaceutical companies. They have these golden parachute type things. And so, yeah, they're going to be like, they'll they'll, they'll say, hey, if you you pass this one through, get this one through with little effort, you know, two years from now, we'll hook you up. And I, I, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And that, that definitely is occurring. It occurs in the FDA, it's occurring in the USDA with the same with food stuff. So it is, it is unfortunately, it's unfortunate that, uh, that, you know, that's the way it is. And, and, you know, you know, even compared to other countries, we are far, far more liberal about approvals of things that, that, uh, you know, you, you know, and well, you know, I'm sure from testing food that there are a whole host of ingredients in us food that is is absolutely banned in other parts of the world for, for various reasons. Exactly. So, and, and, you know, it wasn't until, you know, the rise of Instagram and, and whatnot that you really saw the difference because people were, were heading to Europe or people from Europe would come to the U.S. and be like, holy shit, your grocery store, everything's on, 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 like on steroids. Your, your, your candy bars are bigger. Your, your boxes of cereal are bigger. Your, your thing of donuts are bigger. Every, everything's bigger with, you know, worse ingredients and definitely, uh, you know, notice that, you know, it's, it's crazy, right? It's, it's, you, you want to ask the question, why? I guess I, I would want to ask the question, why? Like, why is this not allowed in the EU or in, you know, South America or what, you know, other continents? Why, why is it banned, but we're doing it here? Why? Well, I mean, the reason why I think is, is again, like we talked about, it's, it's largely about profit. And, you know, it's interesting because, and while this isn't pure science, I mean, we hear, Countless stories of people that go over to Europe, for instance, and they'll eat whatever product that they can do in Europe, and they feel okay, and they come to the United States and the exact same product with the U.S. version ingredients, and they feel like garbage. You know, my my spouse is a perfect example. I mean, she's she's from France, and she goes back to France, and she'll eat bread in France, and she'll be fine. She tries to eat that stuff in the U.S., and she's like miserable for days, and so she always like she eats like you know a couple pieces of bread a year whenever she goes back home to Europe. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, again, it's like this this GRAS generally recognized as safe designation that, that a lot of products have gotten, you know, uh, through through the, you know, the uh, USDA 
um, are, you know, again, I think it's, I think there's a lot of conflict of interest there and questionability. And like I said, same thing, USDA, uh, government, uh, officials end up going to work for Nabisco and Coca-Cola and PepsiCo. And so if they've got something that, that makes their product more shelf stable, that they can do it for cheaper, that it can be more profitable for them, then that's, you know, what they're going to try to do in many cases. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's uh, sadly, it's always about money, whether we're talking about the food, we're talking about our health, uh, our, our healthcare, it's, it's always follow the money. So it's, it's the sad thing. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm sure I'm sure you've, you've gotten asked this question, but I don't know this. So I want to know what made you want to start the carnivore diet? Like you didn't, like what made you just wake up one day? You know, what? I'm just going to eat straight meat. <laughs> yeah. 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 There were, um, you know, I was, when I started that, I was 49. So I'm, I'm going to be 57 now. So I'll be in my eighth year coming up right now. Well, actually I'm about, this is the beginning of my eighth year. Um, I had already, you know, cause I don't uh, Logan, how old are you now? You're what? I am 37. 37. So when I was about 42, 43, I realized that I just wasn't where I wanted to be health wise. I mean, I was, I was a big, strong athlete. I, mean, I had won a world championship in Highland Games. I was a surgeon. You know, I was a busy guy, but I still train like a maniac. I always have. I always will. And I just started to realize that, look, I probably have metabolic disease. I didn't know it at the time, but I just know I didn't feel good. I think I'd sleep yeah. apnea. You know, I'd, I'd have the nurse check my blood pressure. It was slightly elevated. So clearly, I was developing insulin resistance. I probably had insulin resistance. I was metabolically not as good as I wanted to be despite all the exercise, you know, and I, and I wasn't eating garbage. I mean, it wasn't like I was just eating junk food, I, but I was eating a lot of food and I was eating, you know, just, I mean, what I thought was healthy food or mostly healthy, but I'd have dessert from time to time for sure. But I ate a lot of food. I liked to eat. I was a big guy. I was probably, I was probably 300 pounds at that time. You know, you've, you've seen me, I'm still a big guy. I'm still yeah. right now, like two, I'm 265 right now, but I was a bigger guy. I was plenty strong, plenty fast. But I just didn't feel good. And so I said, you know, I, I kind of got done with, uh, what was I doing? The Highland Games. I was doing the Highland Games. That requires, at six foot five, 300 pounds, I was on the smaller side of the, the athletes I was competing against. Most of these guys were six seven, three forty, three fifty. 350. It just takes a lot of mass to throw those damn things, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah. so I, you know, when I got done with that, I was like, okay, I, you know, I'd won a world championship. I'm, I'm not interested in being like that type of person anymore. So I said, I'm going to start, uh, you know, start focusing on, you know, I think just feeling better and, and leaning out and, and that type of stuff. And so, um, at the time, you know, I thought, well, what do you do to go to get leaner? You eat a low fat diet, you eat a lot of fiber, you eat some lean protein and you ramp up your exercise. So I did that. And I, and I mean, I, I just did it like balls to the wall. I mean, I was, I would get up at five o'clock in the morning before I had to go to surgery or go to my clinic and I'd jump rope a couple thousand times if I had lunch break in my clinic, I'd go work out during my lunch break. And then I come home a couple thousand jump ropes. You know, I put my kids to bed, a couple more thousand jump ropes, dramatic, uh, uh caloric reduction, you know, I, cause I was eating, I literally, I was eating seven, 8,000 calories a day. I was, I was eating massive amounts of food. Yeah. So I dropped that down to like, you know, something reasonable, 3000 calories and weight just peeled off. And I just juice dropped all the weight off like nothing. I dropped 50 pounds in three months, got lean, uh, was looking good, but I mean, I literally felt miserable. I mean, I, I could not sustain the low fat yep. diet for a long period of time. I was hungry. I was grouchy. I was, the nurses said, Hey, we much, we much, much like the fat Dr. Baker better because you're an, you're kind of an asshole right now. <laughs> you know? Cause I mean, I, mean, I was a short, I, I wasn't mean, but I was just like, you could tell I just didn't have the patience that I normally have. Yep. 
And, and I realized it and I didn't, you know, and I, and I, you know, I, there were some personal things going on. I went through a divorce at the time and it was, it was kind of a stressful time for me. But then I, you know, I kind of discovered, um, uh, you know, I, this paleo diet, which I thought, well, let me, cause I, I got interested in nutrition at the time. And I think at that time, this is, I think 2008 or nine or something. No, I was later than that. It was like 2012, 2011. I said, well, let me, let me, let me try this paleo thing. And I immediately felt better because I was including a little more fat and it wasn't so restrictive with regard to, to fat restriction in particular. And then, you know, I started reading the, the you know, the standard book, Gary Taubes' book and some of the other books out there that kind of just question the narrative and make you think, oh, wait a minute, does this all, this doesn't make sense to me. And I started questioning things. Went low carb, went ketogenic. Uh, and the ketogenic diet was really eye-opening for me because it was the first time in my life I was like, I'm not hungry. You know, it was weird because yeah. I was like, you know, I'm used to like just crushing food all the time and I felt good. I, yeah, I'm a big guy. I like to eat. I should eat. But I was like, wait a minute. I'm not for, for the first time in my life. I'm not actually hungry. I was like, this is weird. Um, and so I did that for about two years and was just got more and more interested in nutrition. I started to apply it to my practice, my patients, and, and, and started to see, uh, quite honestly, very amazing things occurring in my patients. The ones that would do it. Now, not everybody's going to do it. I mean, you, you present diet to 99 people and three people are, are going to be, okay, let me try that. So, I mean, again, but the ones that would do it, they were like coming back to me and said, you know, Hey doc, um, you know, my knee doesn't hurt anymore. You know? And it was like, and, and they may not have even lost any weight yet, but they would, I'd see them back like a couple of weeks later. I'd say, Hey, go try this diet. Come back, check it out. Let me see how you're doing. Cause a lot of times, um, you know, I was operating, I was, I was one of the most busiest surgeons in the hospital. I was, I had, did more surgeries than anybody else in the hospital. Very prolific. Um, and I was, you know, there was this sort of uh, uh, agreement among orthopedic surgeons in the local area that, hey, we got too many fat patients, and they're 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 hard to deal with. I mean, I mean, I mean, not that they're bad people, but they have higher complication rates. They're more likely to get blood clots. They're more likely to have wound infections. They're more likely to not have good, uh, you know, range of motions and outcomes. And pain management is more of a problem. Many of them. So we decided, hey, we're not going to operate on anybody unless their BMI is under thirty-five. You know, that was, that was a goal. And that, that excluded a lot of people. There's a lot of people BMI over 35 that need knee replacements yeah. or hip replacements or whatever it might be. And so we were trying to figure out ways to get these people to lose weight so that we could get them to the OR because that's what we got paid to do. I mean, we, you know, it, it behooves you to operate on people as a surgeon. That's how you get paid, right? I mean, you want to operate on a lot of people. And um, so we had a bariatric surgeon that they just hired and he, there's no way he could keep up with the demand. He was like, man, I got plenty of people. <laughs> I don't need any more patients, right? So so I, you know, I had the audacity to start describe, you know, prescribing ketogenic diets to my patients. And yes, they were losing weight, some of them. Uh, well, most of them, if they stuck with it long enough. But I mean, like I said, the more important thing to me was they were saying, my knee does not hurt anymore. I literally had them on the schedule for a knee replacement. And they had bad arthritis. I mean, bone on bone, bad looking arthritis. You know, you look at the x-ray. I mean, sometimes you look at it. Yep, you, you, don't, you don't even have to talk to them. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to need a knee replacement. I mean, yeah. but I would get those types of patients and they'd say, you know, doc, my knee doesn't hurt anymore. And I'm like, well, you know what? Shit, we don't need to do surgery. So let's just wait. Let's just cancel it. And so, you know, after experiencing that, um, that's what got me interested in low carb. And then I'm still like reading obsessively about this. You know, social media was starting. I started to get into social media, which really is a two-edged sword. I mean, there's a lot of negatives to social media, as you know. But, um, but I, you know, I, I come across this crazy group of people doing all meat diet and I thought, what the hell is wrong with these people? They're nuts, right? You yeah. can't live on all meat. I mean, this, this is what I thought back then. Right. Yep. So I, you know, I, I remember following these guys kind of lurking in their little Facebook group for about like six months to a year. 
And I mean, the more I started reading, the more they were talking, I said, you know, this kind of does make sense. And I'd already kind of bought off into the low carb thing. So it wasn't that much of a stretch for me. And then also athletically, I'd switched over to rowing and I was like, well, I, you know, I'm trying to break records and I'd set some American records on the rowing machine. And, you know, I was like, you know, I wonder if this would help me athletically. Cause there was some evidence that, you know, old timey athletes used to load up on meat. You know, that was their, that was their performance fuel. And so I said, well, let me try it. And as you know, this is 20, what was it? 2016. Um, I, uh, you know, I started this carnivore diet and I did it for, uh, the first thing I just did one meal, I was like, I'm going to do one meal of steak and eggs. And I ate it and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And didn't, I didn't die. Nothing happened. Nothing bad happened because I didn't have toast or, you know, I didn't have a glass of orange juice with yeah. breakfast. Um, and so I so I went to two days and then a week. And then finally in 2016, I went to a month and I was on social media. I had a little small following on Twitter at the time, a couple thousand people. And I said, Hey guys, guess what? I'm going to do this all crazy, stupid meat diet for a month. What What's going to kill me? Cause something, obviously I'm going to die. There's no way I'm going to survive. Am I going to get scurvy? Uh, is my heart going to clog up? Is my colon going to fall out from lack of fiber? You know, it's going to auto digest itself because of bacteria are mad because there's no fiber. So, you know, we joked around and we, I, I conducted a poll and I can't remember who, what was it, what was the result scurvy, I think was going to kill me. And of course a month went by and none of that had happened. And actually I felt really, really good. I was like, damn, I feel really, really good. This, I can't remember the last time I felt this good. Yeah. And so the end of the month was up and I said, you know, that was a fun experiment. I'm going to go back to my regular diet, you know, which was still a low carb mixed, you know, whole food, healthy diet. And I just immediately felt worse. I just like my gut started hurting again. I started getting some aches and pains because at that time I was, I think I just turned 50 and I got some mileage on me. I've been beat, you know, I've been professional rugby, Highland games, pirate, you know, you know, you beat, you beat on your body pretty hard. And you, you know, you, you know, I mean, you know, it's kind of like a, a barometer, you know, it's like, oh man, that doesn't feel good. I, my, now my elbow's hurting or my shoulder's it hurting. It sucks so getting old. You got you got to dial it in. I mean, it's, 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 it, it keeps you on the straight and narrow if, if you, if yep. you're, if you're mindful about it. So I said, you know what? I like feeling better. I'm going to go back on the all meat thing. And, and I remember my wife going, how long are you going to do this for? I said, I don't know. Let me try to see if I can get it through like six months. And then it, then it was a year. And then she's just like shaking her head. And then I got, you know, then I was on Rogan for the first time, you know, about a year into this. And then it became, then it blew up. And then every vegan on the planet, thought I was, you know, Satan incarnate. You know, I mean, I was just yeah. like, oh my God, this is a, this is the worst guy in the world. And all I was trying to do is to share my experience and the fact that, you know, there's people that are being helped by this. And I remember early on, about six months in, I, I you know, I was talking about it on social media and people asked me questions. And I said, let's see if we can get a hundred people to do it for for three months. And we did. We got a hundred people to do a carnivore diet for three months. The very first before it was even called it wasn't even called a carnivore diet at the time. It was called let's do this all meat diet, zero carb diet for a month. Yep. For three months rather. And a hundred people did it and we actually collected data on all of them. And uh, we had a website set up and we collected all their data. And I mean, man, I mean, average weight loss was like 28 pounds in a month and three months rather. Um, resting heart rate went down by eight beats per minute, eight centimeters on their waist went down. I mean, and, and just all these subjective things, their digestion got better, their mental health yep. got better, their libido got better. We, we checked how many erections the guys got in the morning and their erectile, their rectal function got better. We checked their bowel movements. How many bowel movements do you have? And they had an average of 1.2 bowel movements per day. And people laugh when you say, what's 0.2 of a bowel movement? But I mean, it's, you know, it's a statistical average. And so, so we, we, you know, we kind of did that. And then kind of, you know, so since that time, I've kind of been the carnivore guy. And then I, I, you know, I had no, no intention of writing a book. And the publisher contacted me, you know, and said, hey, we are hearing a lot of this stuff. I think they saw me on Rogan. And they said, Hey, could you write a book about this stuff? And I said, you know, I don't really like writing. I'm not really an author. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's not my thing. I hated English. I can barely speak. You know, I can barely speak English in the first place. 
Well, I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, okay, I'll do it. And I, you know, so I sat down and I wrote it and, you know, they had an editor that kind of helped me with the, you know, so I didn't, you know, have grammatical errors and stupid sure. stuff. Because like I talk, I talk like a normal, you know, yokel guy, but, you know, it's so, but, but it ended up, you know, being a pretty decent book and it's sold a whole bunch of copies and stuff. And so that was kind of the, the evolution of why I did it. But, you know, but I guess, no, no, I guess it says I wanted to be better athletically. And that happened. I mean, like I said, I was, I was rowing. And then six months into the diet, I'd set like, you know, I, I'd broken the world record on a 500 meter row on a concept too, like, like 12 times. I mean, I kept, bra- I broke, broke it. And then I said, I'll break it again and break it again and break it again. I mean, I was doing it day after day. I'd, do one, I'd break the world record on Monday, come back on Tuesday and break it again. And then Thursday and break it again. And so I was just, I was just flying. I was like, man, I feel as strong as I, you know, I, I literally put on a significant amount of strength, which is funny because there's no carbohydrates in there. Like, well, you can't get stronger or faster yeah. without carbs. I'm like, oh, well, it, it happened for me. And um, so that is, you know, and it's kind of funny just in retrospect now, because that was my first sort of thing I noticed about athletics. And the other thing is I had this pretty bad quadriceps tendonitis. You know, I, I think it hurt. I was squatting 500 pounds one time in my knee. I, just, I think I kind of partially tore my quad tendon a little bit and it always bothered me. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I couldn't get in a car and sit in a car for an hour. My knee, my knee would just be killing me. I go on an airplane ride, I just go to a movie theater. I was like, oh man, this sucks. Yeah. That went away. Like in two months, I was like, what the, and I was an orthopedic surgeon trying to fix it for years. I knew, I know all of the things you're supposed to do about tendonitis and tendinopathy. None of it ever worked. And I was just resigned to the fact that, oh, well, I'm getting old and you know, it's yeah. just the way it is. I'm going to limp around and some days I'm going to be able to train the legs and some days I can't. That all went away. And I was like, shit, man, I'm going to train time to crank up the knob on training. And so I did. And yeah, so, I mean, I was able to like set a bunch of world records and now it's like, now we're fast forward to now it's, it's over seven years later. And it was kind of funny on concept two. There's there, when I did it, there were age class, age class records, 50 year, 60 year, 70 year. And so I just turned 50. I was like, well, shit, those records, I think I can get all those records. So I, I went in there, I broke, you know, three world records on the concept two at 50. And then I thought, well, I'm not going to mess with it until I turn 60 again because there's, you know, I got I already had those records. But then I looked recently and they changed it to five year age groups. So now there's like a 55 year old age group, and I'm like, huh. And I looked at the numbers, I'm like, I can get those too. So I'm I'm right now as we speak, back in training to break a bunch more world records. And nice. I think, you know, like like, I, and in fact, I got one. I didn't even know I had. I just posted a time, and you know, they record everything. It's all uploaded, you know, based on a on a on a computer i mean they've got a way to process to make sure it's validated and i, I guess I, I looked and i said oh god i already got one of the american i got a, i got a two american records and a world record i didn't know about in the 55 plus category but now it's there it's in my mind i'm like well shit i, I need to get it while i can so yeah anyway and, but but the thing is uh, the point i'm making on that is at 57 i am just as strong just as fast as i was at 50 which i think is remarkable given the fact that the normal progression of aging is you know, that slow, sledgy decline. Oh, and I haven't it's seen any of that. Again. I mean, I'm still as strong as I ever was. In fact, I was stronger at 56 than I was at 46, which is interesting. How, how much, of, like, are you surprised? Like, did, is it, was it surprising you as you were training, getting those records? Like, what? Because like you said, everybody hears it. You need carbs to build muscle. You need carbs to get stronger, right? So it's, I, I come from the, ba- the bodybuilding background. So <laughs> that, that, you know, that's, that's like our, our holy grail. That's our Bible, which is you got to have carbs, right? You got to have carbs pre, you got to have carbs post, and uh, you got to have carbs to grow. But now you're here, you know, there's obviously guys like you, uh, Robert Sykes, Keto Savage, 
showing you that nope. <laughs> I mean, look at him. He he just well, got I mean, if you look, you know, if you look look critically at the literature now, I'm not saying that having carbohydrates isn't maybe the optimal way to do it, and it may sure, be sure. That, that there's that. But I mean, to say you cannot perform, yeah. you cannot grow muscle without carbs is, is absolutely wrong because we know. I mean, you talk to guys like Stu Phillips, Don Lehman, Jose Antonio, all these guys that are giants within the rule of you know protein metabolism, muscle building. We'll say it is adequate pro. I mean, the number one thing, irrespective of anything, is, is resistance training. That is number one. You got to train. You got to train, right? And then beyond that is adequate protein. Obviously, leucine being a big trigger for muscle protein synthesis. And then it's just calories. It's just sufficient energy to to train with, and that can become from carbs. It can come from fat. It really doesn't matter. Uh, so, uh, I mean, are there advantages to carbohydrates for for acquiring calories? Yeah, I mean, when you want to come in, when you want to go in a caloric surplus. It's a hell of a lot easier to eat calories when they come from carbs, I find. I don't know about you, but I know for me, I can, I mean, I can get, you know, there's almost only so much steak I can eat before I just feel miserable. I mean, I'm like, you know, I, you know, I can put away four pounds of steak a day, which seems like a lot, but I'm, you know, I'm six, five, I'm 265. That's a decent amount. But if I start eating like five, six pounds, I'm like, oh shit, I, I can't do it three days in a row. I'm like, oh man, but you throw in some pancakes or something like that, or give me some, you know, some cereal. Boom. You got, you know, you, you, kids always say, I got to, you know, you, you talk to your kids are like, oh, I'm stuffed. Oh, but I got a dessert stomach. You know, they've always got that dessert yeah. stomach. You know, I got that extra stomach for dessert, you know, or the carbs, you know, basically. So, and, yeah. and I mean, physiologically, we know that carbohydrates have a differential effect on satiety hormones. You know, they, yes. they seem to blunt some of the satiety response. And I think that's, that's physiologically appropriate because that's what initially carbs were to, to ensure we could you know, store and, and utilize energy. You know, if you look at, you know, I mean, again, it's, it's speculative what early humans did, but I mean, there's some, I mean, there's some decent evidence, evidence out there that we would have, we, you know, even in my book, the carnivore diet, I state explicitly human beings are omnivorous. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, because people always say, well, what do you think you're lying? I said, no, this is in my view, a carnivore diet is a therapeutic protocol. It is a diet that is very effective, particularly at mitigating disease. That's what I promote it for. I know there's yeah. other people that, you know, put it on their t-shirt and say, Hey, I'm carnivore Carl and you know, whatever. And, you know, it's almost like vegan, like where you get these people that are kind of in the, on the team and on the club and, you know, they wear it as their, as their identity, which I think, you know, whatever, I don't really care. It's not, it's not what I, you know, obviously I'm promoting it. I'm one of the biggest promoters for it, but at the same time, I, I think it's not, everybody needs to do it. It's not, there are plenty of other ways to get healthy. I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, as, as I'm sure, you know, and I, I agree with, uh, but to say that you you have to have carbohydrates to perform to build muscle is just factually incorrect because you can do it without that. Now again, you know, I mean there's people that build muscle on a vegan diet, right? I mean that 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 occurs. I mean, I you know, again, it's not my it wouldn't be my cup of tea and I think there's some limitations with that as well. But I mean yeah, there's some that you know it's kind hard. of interesting. I've met I've met a lot of vegan athletes or or that have added meat back into their diet and all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> they hit another gear. They're like, wow. And it's like, you know, it's impressive that you could do what you do with that handicap. You know, it's like when you see somebody who's like a, you know, a Paralympic or a, a, you know, blind athlete, you're like, wow, look how impressive they are. Could you imagine if they had full cap, full capacity, what they could really do? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just interviewed a guy named, uh, professor Philip Prims or Prims rather out of, uh, he's out of, he's in Pennsylvania and he's doing research on low carb athletic performance. And he's found, he's found actually what he would say is non-inferiority of a ketogenic diet versus a carb-based diet. And in some cases, a ketogenic diet actually outperformed a, a, a carb-based diet in, in certain wow. sort of sporting events. So 
I, I think the jury's a little bit out there. We used to think it was, you know, the difference when performance was, was muscle glycogen depletion, but it's turning out that's not the case. And it may be more, it might be hypoglycemia rather than glycogen content, but blood glucose. And so, you know, so it may be that, the other thing is it may be that maybe a small amount of carbs, because a lot of people are used to this relatively large amount of carbohydrates or like, you know, for, for, um, you know, whatever, you know, like a typical athlete, athlete might be eating 500 grams of carbs a day, you know, or something like that. If they're eating a lot of calories, whereas this may say that, you know, maybe you only need 20 grams for, for your athletic performance and, and the rest of it, you don't need much. So it's, I yeah, think, I, I think the science is evolving a little bit on that. You're right. And you know, me, my personal journey. So starting from ketogenic diet, doing a strict ketogenic diet, make sure I was in, uh, uh, nutritional ketosis at all times, lost 70 pounds, no, no longer needing to lose weight, really wanted to focus on muscle building. And I incorporated the uh, carbs pre and post, right? Uh, but you know, people were freaking out. Like, oh my God, you're not keto anymore. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, slow down. I'm only doing like 25 grams of carbs pre and post. That's not a lot, guys. I'm going to use that during my workout, my intense bodybuilding workout, right? To give me that extra boost. Um, so you're right. And, and, and I've always said, look, whether you do carnivore, OMAD, fasting, paleo, whole foods, whatever, do what, do what you like and you enjoy and that's sustainable. Uh, anything's better than fast food you know, like a typical American eats, anything's better than that. Right. Um, but find what, find what works for you. And, and I'm glad you said that, you know, there's other ways to do it, to become healthy. One thing that I want to, I really, really want to pick your brain about, because it's something that I am experiencing right now. And you, and you, you kind of brought it up earlier. You were having severe knee pain. I currently, I think I, I have a herniated L3 and L4 that just happened that <clears throat> that is compound because I I have an L5 herniated disc. I know that. That happened in 2018. You know, I'll tweak it every once in a while, maybe once, twice a year. You know, <clears throat> kind of be out for a couple of days, but then I'm good. This time, currently, what, what's happening now is I now have numbness and all up and down my thigh, down to my calf. And when I drive, I have severe knee pain where I don't even want to drive. Um, and and I'm, I'm looking at peptides. I'm looking at stem cells, which uh, I, when, you were, when you posted about it, I immediately called uh, Ways to Well, set up an appointment with him, talked to them. So we're discussing what we can do um, because it's really impacting my life, like my day-to-day. -day. Like I, I can't have a normal day-to-day -day anymore without having severe knee pain when I'm driving. Um, I can't really sit down for a long period of time. And at night, I'm constantly waking up. And so I'm looking at all these things. And I'm really contemplating going back to carnivore and just trying it out uh, to see. If yeah, it well, I mean, I went through, you know, I, I had quadriceps tendonitis, but I, I, you know, the reason I was there and, and you know, it's because I had a herniated disc in my neck, you know, I was doing jujitsu and yep. I mean, I had some wrestler, a pretty good solid wrestler I was going, he's like a 20 year old guy. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm 30 some years older than You're these guys. With the young guys. Yeah, I was, I, I, you know, I go with the young guys and go, 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 go hard, you know? And so he, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 250, 260 and he got behind me and drove me forward. I landed on my head and all my weight plus his weight on top of my head, my head kind of flexed under me. And I felt like I was like, Oh, something happened. I, I stopped. Hang on. Something stopped. Something happened. And then I kind of, you know, shook it off and went back to wrestling, finished out with him and wrestled the rest of the night, came back the next night and was wrestling again. 
And the next day I woke up and I was like severe pain going down my arm and numbness in, in, you know, these two fingers, which is still numb. This, not this finger is particularly still numb. This one's a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, I know, I know it's, you know, I, I was like, this is a, this is called a cervical radiculopathy. It's in, in the C7 area. It's, it's a disc injury. And, you know, I ended up getting confirmatory MRI. Um, and, and, you know, knowing, you know, the, like the treatment options for this particular condition are one, it gets better, you know, it just gets better. Right. That's, that's fortunately, that's what happens the most of the time. Um, if it doesn't get better, then you start, you start looking at different surgical options typically. And it's, it's a, it's a fusion, uh, a disc replacement. Sometimes it's depending on where the disc is, they can do a decompression from the back, you know, without having to fuse the neck, but I don't want any of that. I'm like, man, shit, I don't want any of that stuff, you know? Uh, and so one thing I know is that there is significant, there's at least a decent body of, of literature that shows that a very deep ketogenic diet, um, can help with neuroinflammation because that's what you're experiencing. You have, you've got an irritated nerve and when you flex yes. your spine, like when you're sitting, you're stretching that nerve and causing irritation to that. Uh, and so that, that's where you're getting that, that, that symptom from. And so a ketogenic diet can help with that. Um, how much it helps is variable. Sometimes it'll, maybe it'll knock it down 10%, maybe it'll knock it down 80%, who knows? Um, the, you know, I did some physical therapy. I went to a physical therapist to do like neck rehab and there's some things, nerve flossing type things that kind of help with that. You kind of stretch the nerve yep. in and out. So, so it doesn't get kind of, you know, kind of impacted. So you can kind of move it in and out. So it's not always under pressure. And the stem cell thing was Rogan's idea, you know, cause Rogan, you know, I, I guess, you know, Joe's been following me for a long time and we, we, we sometimes, you know, you talk back and forth through DMS on social media. It's not like I have, I can call him up and say, Hey Joe, how's it going? I mean, yeah. I'm not that close, but I, I consider him a friend, but we're not like buddy, buddy, but he, you know, he said, I said, Hey dude, I saw your neck's hurting. Why don't you come out and do a podcast? Cause we had talked about doing a podcast, a subsequent podcast for years now. And he goes, well, I'll set you up with stem cells and we'll do that. Right. So I said, well, shit. Yeah. Why, why would I not? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, obviously the Rogan podcast is, is a huge yes. boost for, for about anything. Right. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'll come out there and do it. But at that time, you know, I mean, my neck pain, it was like 90% better already by the time I got to the stem cells. I mean, I was like, you know, had it been at that point and I was like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, how much can do? I'm already 90% of the way there. Yep. So one, I am, and I said that to the guys at Ways to Well, and I've said that to Joe, and I've said it on social media. I am skeptical about the efficacy of stem cells. I mean, I just am. I just think I'm a skeptic. I mean, even though I, I do this crazy carnivore diet and I seem like I'm a nut, I'm very, very sort of skeptical about things unless I see there's a, a you know a, a fair bit of evidence on that. The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who there 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 may be some bias and conflict because if stem cells work. You know, if I can give you an injection in your knee and you don't need surgery, well, guess who loses money, right? The orthopedic yep. surgeons do. So there exactly. may be some. There may be some conflict of interest in that statement. They say it doesn't, doesn't really work that well. Um, uh, you know, I went out to ways to well and super nice people. I mean, you know, and Joe set it up and, 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 you know, I mean, total transparency, they covered it, they covered the cost. And, you know, so that was, you know, hell it's free, you know, why not? You know, and I, I don't think there's not a downside and it was very straightforward it was, a, it was an injection. It was like pain, almost completely painless. Um, you know, whether it's going to make a difference or not, I can't. I can't say yet. I mean, it's hard okay. to say. I mean, I'm training. I mean, you know, they, they were like, you know, take it easy. And I'm like, you know, you know that means. Okay, I'll take it easy. You know, you know, easy for, you know, so I am taking it easy, but people see me working out like, you're not taking, yeah, I am. Believe me, I'm taking it easy for me. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can't, 
you know, if you told me, you know, don't train for three months, I'm gonna have a hard time with that, man. I'm gonna have a real hard time with that. You know, particularly at my age, I've been doing it every day for, for 40 some years. I don't like taking time off. And so I, you know, I don't train my neck real hard right now. That's where the the area of interest was. So I am doing that. I'm kind of chilling out on some of the neck exercises, but I'm still training. I mean, I'm still doing stuff. I'm still lifting and stuff like that. Maybe what does that, maybe that, I I don't really see how that compromises Mm -hmm. any kind of result. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, I can see if I swinging my head around and, you know, disrupting, you know, potential structural repair than, than maybe, but I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing squats, which you you don't, you don't throw your head around when you're doing squats. Typically it's not like you're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing that. So, I mean, I, I mean, end of one, I mean, I was already healed when I went there for the most part. I wasn't going to turn it down because, you know, obviously the prospect of being on Rogan's podcast was, was obviously a very important thing for both myself and for our company, because, you know, our, our, you know, we've got a a company that's that, 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 you know, I I mentioned on the show and, and, uh, so, um, I would say for sure, I mean, it's not going to hurt you by going ketogenic again, because you know how to do it. I mean, just yeah. try to get in deep, deep ketosis, do it for, you know, do it for a couple of weeks and see how, see how it feels. I mean, the natural history of your injury is probably, it will resolve given, given a long enough time frame, probably three months. I mean, I, you know, I know the cervical yeah. literature is about three months. I'm not sure in the lumbar literature, but sometimes like with about three months, you probably naturally will feel better. And that's a long ass three months. And I got to tell you for two months, I was like you, man, the only way I could sleep was if I turned my head this way and stretched my arm and I was like, ah, you know, trying Holy to get comfortable. Crap. And, you know, it's, and I remember I had a, fl- I had a, I had a flight to Greece like a couple of days after I did it. And I'm on this international flight sitting next to somebody and I need to go like that, but you can't cause you got some, you know, I was just yeah. sitting there like, Oh, this, I was just, I was just sitting there in pain for, you know, 10 hours in this trans, you know, transatlantic flight. And it's like, uh, you know, yeah, and then no, I got there I, and it was just it. like, I'm about What's a that? month. I'm about a month a half into it right now, and yeah, I'm telling yeah, six you, like, it, it's uh, still bugging it's, you. It's, it's it wakes. I kid you not, Sean. Yeah, yeah, stuff because you don't sleep twice a week. I, at least twice. I mean, at least twice a night. I am waking up, and it never fails. Yeah. You know, around two, yeah. four in the morning, I just yeah. wake up with with some type of pain, whether it's in my kind of hip, upper upper thigh, hip area, knee, or lower back, and and. You know how important sleep is. Like if you can't, oh yeah, of course, yeah. Sleep, yeah I was good. the same way because I mentioned I had to hold this position to fall asleep, and as soon as I fell asleep, my head would like fall back into position and extension, and then it would, it would light me up, and I wake up, my hand would be on fire. I was like, shh, I have to get crap. out of bed and start stretching my arm and trying to trying to make it go away, and that would happen, you know, like you said, two three times a night, and I I was dragging, I didn't have good sleep, you know, and then try to train the next day in the gym, you're like. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, it's exhausting. It really is. And, you know, like I said, I, I, and this is something I almost never do. I never take medicine. I, I, I took like a couple of Tylenols and a couple of Motrin just for like one or two days, just cause I was like, so I was so freaking miserable. And then I actually made up, made an appointment with a, uh, you know, a spine surgeon because I was like, Hey man, <laughs> I can't live like this. I literally do not want to live in this, in this way. And I was thinking about surgery and, you know, and, you know, I said, because I knew it was like 12 weeks was, the, was the, the sort of the window. And I said, look, I'm going to an appointment I, six weeks in or seven weeks in. I went and talked to the surgeon. I said, look, if this doesn't get better, I'm going to need something. Right. And he said, yeah, I agree. You know, we'll look at it, get an MRI. And, and I haven't been back because I'm like, you know, I can live where I'm at. I got a little numbness in my finger and that's it. So I'm like, and, you know, I had a little bit of weakness in my right tricep, which I'm, which is going away. I'm almost back to normal. So fortunately for me, and, and whether or not the stem cells impacted that last little bit, I mean, I feel good. I mean, honestly, I will say this, um, while I didn't have much room to, to gain on where I was as far as the deficits I had after that injury, I feel really good right now. 
after the stem cells. And so maybe that's just a general, cause they, 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 they did a systemic injection. They did, uh, you know, the local tissue. They can't do it. They can't do an intradiscal injection. I, I think illegally in the U S there. Um, and then they also put me on these, these, uh, this little, uh, uh, peptide BP one fifty seven, which mm-hmm. again I'm very skeptical of that as well. But I mean, I will say at the very least, although I don't notice a tremendous difference in in my symptoms from the neck, I generally feel pretty good. And I'm in there, like I said, I'm in there rowing, and I'm like freaking crushing, man. I'm like, I'm like, I can break the world record tomorrow. I mean, I feel like <laughs> I feel that good, and I just started training for it. So I mean, it's yeah. just like, um. So I mean, you know, I mean, again, depending upon finances and stuff like that it's not a lot of risk to it. I mean, it's, it's a freaking shot. It's not like, you know, it's yeah. not like it's a surgery, you know, that you, you know, it's, you know, I don't think it's uh, a major risk type of thing, you know, but, yeah. uh, but I think the ketogenic diet would be beneficial to you. I mean, I think that's something I would try to go deep ketosis for, you know, maybe a month and see how you feel. Cause that you know, it's, I feel like I am, I'm on that same journey as you. I w- I'm just a little bit uh, further behind. So I have a hmm. spine specialist appointment on Thursday. Yeah, uh, cause same here. Like you said, I can't, I can't live like this, man. This is not, this is, well, not. I mean, if it, if at all possible, you can avoid, um, surgery, you should do so. I mean, particularly <clears throat> yeah, spine that, surgery. That's the goal. Just, that's the goal. Yeah. I don't want, any and surgery. you know, some of the things they offered me, you know, they can do like selective nerve root blocks. They can do cort- you know, cort- corticosteroid injections. They can put you on like prednisone. And I, I declined all that. I said, I don't, I don't want that stuff. I just don't want to take that crap. Um, yeah. I'd rather just, I'd rather just kind of gut it out, you know, and I ended up, I, like I said, I did end up taking a couple of Tylenol, a couple of ibuprofen and it helped some, it helped me get a good night's mm-hmm. sleep. It was like, it was like after like seven, eight weeks of not sleeping, I was like, fuck, I got to get some sleep, man. So yeah. I just kind of took, took, took some and I actually slept a little better and did that for a day or two. And then I was like, you know, I don't want to take this stuff. I'm just tired of it. And, then, and you know, then I just kind of have been getting better and better. And right now I sleep fine. Right now it's not a problem. You know, it's the only, the only thing is this is annoying. I just little and, you know, in a way, I'm glad I still have a little numbness in my finger because it reminds me not to f- forget about my neck because I plan on going yeah. back to, you know, wrestling and jujitsu. Yep. And so it's kind of like a reminder, hey, dummy, take care of your neck because yep. I've got, a, you know, I used to, I'm a tall guy, I'm long, lanky, but I got a long neck. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's a relatively strong neck, but it's not like, like I've got a really strong back and I'm, you know, I've got, you know, I'm generally pretty strong throughout, but I haven't really focused on, like most of us, no, a lot, not a lot of people specifically train their neck. You know, it's kind of like a weird thing that most people don't do. And so I got that little iron neck thing that, you know, Rogan talked. And I've actually enjoyed it. It looks goofy. It looks like a big old flying saucer on your head. I've seen you use it. But it actually, it actually, I think, does a pretty good job. So it's, it's you know, like I said, if you ever need to train your neck, I, can, I would say that's, you know, okay. that's a pretty good devi- advice or device rather. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny how like, you know, we're, when I'm going to therapy, I've been going to a Rossi. And they got me doing these little movements that are just simple movements, but they are kicking my ass because I have such a weak core. My core is yeah. something I've never trained. I, now, look, I, I'm well, I mean, you do. I mean, the squats and deadlifts you do, but I mean, you know, your specific things, you know, so you're not doing right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not, I don't, I don't, let's just put this, I don't designate a day for it or, or a certain time period. Right. It's just, if I do it in a compound, I'm, I'm, I'm training it. Right. But it's nothing specific. And so I'm doing these exercises that they got me doing and my my core my stomach is just shaking i'm I'm shaking i can't even hold it for 10 seconds and i i'm like this exercise is kicking my ass but i can you know squat and bench and deadlift but i can't do this little hold for the core without my body just absolutely just being like freaking out shaking um yeah. 
So it's it's one of those things. Yeah, it's it's funny. We don't. It's, those little... it's tough to be good at everything. You know, yeah. I mean, there's like I said, there's only so many hours in the day that right. you can realistically train. You know, I just got a new device for uh, uh, trying to do Nordic Nordic curls, Nordic hamstring curls. You know, I'd never mm-hmm. I'd never done one before in my life. Never never had you know never really had it. I guess the 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 you know, the, the right tools for it. So I got one of those things as a little, you know, goofy thing to play with. And so that's a new thing. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever done one. That's a hamstring. That's a hamstring getter, man. That's like, wow, that's tough. Yeah. No, hamstring, yeah. Hamstrings are one of the things that I've always had lacked. And uh, yeah, let's just say they, they, I lack in them and I know I need to focus on them, but I, I haven't been able to train lower body in about a month. So I'm yeah, just going to give it yeah. a couple more weeks. Like you said, I'm going to try to play around with the diet, see what the specialist says, keep doing all of the at-home exercises that they, they want me to do. And yeah. Well, um, I mean, I, you know, I, I found one of the interesting things that I found, and, and this is consistent with the literature, but I felt better when I was moving and active, you know, even mm-hmm. with the neck pain. I mean, like I'd, mm-hmm. I'd go on the treadmill and walk or ride the bike and <clears> I would <throat> just feel better afterwards. I mean, I was still yeah. in pain, but it was less. And, you know, you get this sort of endorphin rush and, you know, it's, you know, that's, I mean, really, I mean, the worst thing you can do is just lay there and not move. That's going to make it many, many times worse. Yeah. No, for sure. It, it, I, good, the, the, the good thing is sitting down hurts. So I, I'm constantly yeah. on my feet. I work from Same home. Same thing with me, you know, it's kind of funny. It's funny because, you know, you think about it, like when I'm standing, I feel like even now a little bit sitting, I don't like it that much because when you sit, you know, the weight of your head is pushing down and then the, yeah. the, the chair is pushing up onto your butt. And so your spine is being compressed more and that causes yeah. more pain when you're standing, at least the, the bottom part is not being, you know, you know, you're not being directly uh, forced against. So yeah, sitting for like, I go, you know, like I was on vacation, we go to a restaurant and eat and I just sit there and I was like, Oh man, I can't even sit down. It was like, and it, like, like I said, I was about a week out from the injury. You can imagine how bad it was yeah. just trying to sit. I mean, I was like, Oh man, I mean, just get through this meal and go for a walk. And yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a challenging I, I'm picking time. and choosing where I'm driving to. If I get, if I have to go anywhere far, I'm like, okay, how can I get out of this? How, what, yeah. what, what can I do to, you know, my wife's car is a little bit bigger. I, I drive a small Tesla. So the, the position in the Tesla, it, it's awful for my, for my, um, for my knee. But, See, I'm a, but, I'm a, I'm a, I'm in a big old pickup truck, man. I can't yeah. fit in those good little bitty things. No, no, man. hell no, you couldn't. I'm kind of no. stuck, man. Your head be sticking out, dude. They need to carve a hole in the yeah. middle. Get the, um, get the little like a giraffe driving on the road or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah I mean, it's, I, but I mean, you know, you think about that, uh, Logan. There are people that literally feel like you do, 24 hours a day for years and years on end, and they become addicted to pain medications. They turn crazy. They literally turn into crazy people. They don't sleep for years. They're on all these meds and, you know, I used to see them as patients and I, man, I felt bad for them, mm-hmm. but they became crazy. They were like, they were even hard to like some, like one I of the reasons that. I never did spine surgery as an orthopedic surgeon, because as a resident, when we, we would always get these people that were, we just thought they were nuts. We're like, these people are nuts. A lot of them were heavy smokers and they had all kinds of psychiatric issues. And, <clears throat> but I mean, they're chronic pain patients. They are some of the most challenging patients to deal with. And you just, you just throw narcotics at them. Here's another narcotic or you put them on Suboxone, you put them on all these different drugs and man, it's tough. And, 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 but at no time did I ever know that, Hey, let's change your diet. Let's, let's get yeah. you a little bit more healthy because I think a lot of those people unnecessarily go down that route because it's, it's a failure of our system. You know, you come in, if, 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 you know, like somebody, you like, you might get a surgeon that says, you know what, Logan, yeah, let's just operate on you. And they do the spine surgery and it fails. Right. And it, it there's a pretty, there's a reasonable failure rate with spine, spinal fusions, things like that. It's just, and then you just have more pain and there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. And then they just put you on pain meds, pain meds. And so if you can nip it in the bud, 
fix the lifestyle, fix the diet. Uh, I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit on that, but I think that's certainly how, if, if it's going to work for anybody, it's going to work for guys no, like you, is, you and myself. Because there's, like you said, I'm sure it will. It's, I, so I started talking about it on my Instagram, on my stories, right? Just kind of like how you were talking about your injury. I'm giving people an update, letting people know what's been going on. Um, and what blew my mind is like how many other people are struggling with this sciatic nerve issues, right? This, um, and so I'm like, wow, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. Like, I mean, I got people messaging me out the yin yang. Oh, you're, I mean, I have it here. I've been dealing with this. This is what's worked for me. And it's like, holy shit. Like, so I'm, this is definitely something that a lot of people struggle with. But to your point, that scares me the most. And I haven't shared this with anybody yet, um, other than my immediate family. So this is going to be a first time. Uh, people on, that are listening to this on podcast and on YouTube, um, you're right. It is. Uh, I, I'm. I also um, hired a. I also made an appointment for a psychiatrist because I am going batshit crazy. Mm. It, it is literally when I told you it's destroying my life. It's destroying my life mentally now. So it, yeah. in the beginning, in the beginning, it was the pain. Now the erosity. The exercises have definitely helped. What was about an eight or nine pain is now about a three or four, maybe sometimes five if I'm in a weird spot, but it's it's doable. But what now is that what now is really affecting is the mental. I am I can see myself slowly having anxiety attacks, panic attacks because of this pain. The fear of, oh my God, is this ever going to go away? Oh my God, am I ever going to get the train? Oh my God, am I ever going to get feel normal? And it's slowly, slowly driving me to madness. Um, and 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 hearing you say that, you know, it's like, holy shit, I, I get it. I totally get it. I am slow. If I don't take care of this now, I can see myself just going going off the rails because I don't like having this pain, right? It's like, I can't live my normal life. I've lived this normal life for years and years. And now this one thing that just will not go away, that's just constantly like, mm, just hits me in the leg. Like, hey, I'm still here. Hey, don't forget about me. Hey, I'm still here. It's, it drives me crazy. So um, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's just something I want to share because I'm sure there's other people dealing with this same yeah, issue. I mean, I, you know, at the same time, anytime I have an injury and, you know, over the year, you, you, you train hard, you're going to have injuries from time to time. And I've had yeah. them and you know, you're like walking down the street and you're like, you know, I got to walk slow. I couldn't run. Maybe I can't defend myself with some crazy person to jump, you know, but when you feel good, you're like, you feel on top of the world. Mentally, you feel better. Yep. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And I felt that for a period of time. I was like, man, I don't know that I can work out. I could, if you know, like, cause to me, being able to train is such a valuable part of my life. Uh, it is, it is therapy. It's, it's, it's mental health. It's so incredibly important outside of the physical thing, but it, it has a lot of psychological value and the thought of saying that you can never train to the level you're accustomed to is, is a, is a bitter pill to swallow. I can't, you know, I see these guys that are like in these horrible accidents where they become, you know, paraplegic or something like that. And you're like, how the hell would you deal with that? Because you, you've taken for, for granted to have, to be able-bodied and physically fit and having that potentially threatened is really, really traumatic. And what I would, you know, like I said, I think, as you know, diet impacts your mental health too. And so it's, it's not, your brain is not an isolated, you know, entity. It's part of the entire physiology of our body. Like whatever affects our liver and our kidney and our heart and our lungs also affects our brain. So, I mean, again, I would suggest, you know, you go try that ketogenic thing for a while. It might help with the neuroinflammation. It will probably 
chill you out mentally a little bit. So you have maybe a little bit more outlook. And then, you know, that background pain, like I said, like you'd mentioned, I mean, for me, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm pretty <laughs> like, I think my pain got to maybe a, a seven or an eight, which is pretty damn painful. You know, yeah. I, I've never seen a 10 because when I, when I used to be a surgeon, people would come in and they'd be like chilling out. And I said, what's your pain? Oh, it's a 10. I'm like, it's a 10 and you're sitting here chilling. That, that to me, that means your guts are being ripped out by a bear. You know, that's 10, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm saying, you know, it's pretty bad. It's a seven, eight. And, you know, but then it went back down to a back. You know, there was a background. It was always like a three for me. It was like always a three. I'm, I'm, I'm always aware of it. Fortunately, that's gone. I have, I have literally no pain at all right now, which is such a relief. I mean, I've got numbness, which I feel, and that's annoying, but it's not pain. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, you're absolutely right. You got to take care of your mental health. You got to take care of your physical health. I would say the odds are likely you will recover from this. You'll have minimal to no sequelae if you do the right things. And I think you can do that without surgery. Uh, probably. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I mean, that's a natural history of most of these things, but most people, like I said, most people, you know, they just don't have the patience in many, many times, or they don't have the, the know-how to what, what else can they, cause right. Cause sometimes you feel helpless, you know, you're in yeah. all this pain and you're, you're like, I can't, it won't get better. And you become disempowered. And then you, then you're dependent upon the healthcare system. You're depending on the whims of the doctor or the whims of the scheduler of the doctor. And, you know, I need, I need this, I need this pain medication, I need this procedure. I need this MRI. I need this or that. And it's disempowering you because you don't have any control over that really. I mean, you yep. can, you can think you do, but I mean, it's, you're really dependent upon somebody else and you have a lot of power in what you do and you know, a lot of these things. So, I mean, gosh, I would just, uh, you know, do the right things, focus on sleep, you know, figure out the sleep position that you can get sleep in, you know, get the good diet in there, you know, do, do, do that, do the day-to-day -day movement stuff that's going to get you there. And, and, you know, probably, and I don't know the stats on lumbar radiculopathy, but I suspect it's similar to cervical. There's about an 80% chance you won't need surgery. An 80% chance you'll recover with either near full or full recovery, which is, I think, helpful. And then, and then you go back and like, how do I present, prevent this? Right. Cause you don't want to happen yeah. again. Right. Cause no, it's like, if it happens once, yeah. it's more likely to happen again. That's the same thing with my neck. I mean, some people are like, well, just don't do jujitsu anymore. I'm like, you know, I don't know that I like that option. I want to, yeah. I want to be able to play hard. And so what I'm doing is I'm trying to bulletproof my neck and, and also like movement stuff. Cause I mean, again, I, I mean, I'm fit and I'm strong, but the reality is I'm freaking 57 years of age. And you know, there's things that are not as good as they were when they were 20, but you know, I think I'm an outlier in the 50 year old class, but I mean, I still have to respect that. So and the only way I go back to that stuff is if I have to my, to the best of my ability, bulletproofed everything the best that I can. And then, yep. and the, you know, then the chips fall where they may, you know, because otherwise, otherwise you, otherwise you hear that, oh, you just need to slow down. You're getting old, slow down. Um, you don't need to train as hard, you know, to me, that's the wrong answer. Because yeah. yes, you know, there, yeah, there's always people that say, I hear all that. Well, you know, I trained hard in my twenties and now I'm 50 and my knees hurt and I need knee replacement. Well, I said, you know, most likely you, you, you stopped training, got fat and started eating garbage and that's why your knees hurt. Or, you know, you had an injury and you just never rehabbed it properly and you just quit. That's what happens more, more often than not. And, um, you know, I talked to Ted Nyman, you, you know, I don't know if you know Ted, but he's uh, another low carb kind of, well, he's more of a protein energy guy now, but you know, he made this nice analogy that like in life we get, you know, we have a capacity. Let's say this is, this is, you know, when we're, when we're a 10 year old kid and we're running around in the backyard, doing backflips, swinging from the swing set, climbing trees. And then all of a sudden we can do less and less yeah. and less. And then eventually it's like, all I can do is walk around my house. All I can do is lay in my bed and now I'm dead. Yeah. And so the longer you can keep this 
the longer your your certainly your quality of life and, and likely your 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 lifespan will be. So I'm trying to maintain this as much as possible. You know, yeah. I've lost a little bit, but it ain't much. You know, and I'm 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 going to train. I'm going to keep training hard and keep doing those things and pushing those things. And I don't care what the. I mean, I've been, since I've been 30, man, people tell me, "Well, you turn 30, man, you're not going to be able to do all this stuff." And then I was like, "Well, you turn 40, man. Well, you turn 50." I'm like, "I'm still going, man." So <laughs> still I, I going. think it's you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm looking forward to turning 60 because I'm going to be like dunking all all the people on my age group because <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's no all the 60 year olds suck. It's kind of funny. It's like what. I remember doing these Highland games with one of these guys, and he's Mike Babb. He was a center for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, and he was, uh-huh. you know, and he's kind of like me. He's kind of a funny guy, pretty, you know, in-shape guy, and he was in his early 50s at the time. He's like, he's uh, he's competing in his age group class, and I'm, I'm like, hey, Mike, where are you at? He goes, oh, I'm over there with all those damn old guys. <laughs> and, you know, not, not you know, you know, kind of indicating jokingly that I'm with these old bastards, but yep. I'm not an old bastard, right? And that's what you want to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I love that. I love hearing that, man, because, you know, I hear it all the time. People message me, hey, Logan, is it too late? Is it too late? You know, I'm a father. No. I got kids. No, the, you know, the, there's just a study that came. There's a study that just came out. Um, I just saw the headline. I didn't look at the details, but basically the headline was people in their 90s can put on just as much muscle as people in their 60s and 70s. Wow. So you think about 90 year olds can gain yeah. muscle like a 60 year old would, you know, and you know, you most people are like, well, 60 year olds kind of old anyway, but I mean, to my knowledge, and I've seen a lot of 90 year olds and they don't look good. I mean, you know, like in every hundred, every single hundred year old I've met in my life, bar with, with very rare exception has been an old demented lady in a diaper that had pissed herself with a broken hip. I mean, yeah. and, you know, and, 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 you know, and they're like, ah, don't be a hundred. You know, that that's my impression of a hundred years of age. You know, if that's what that is, I don't want it. But, you know, like I said, I think there's a way to get older and, and still be quite vigorous. And I think that, that, you know, cause we're, we're really, um, in an age where for the first time ever in the history of man, do we have people that are, you know, getting jacked and training hard and doing this into their sixties and seventies, now even eighties. And, It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next 10, 20 years. And when guys like Schwarzenegger and Stallone are 95, what are they going to look like? Because, you know, they're freaking Stallone's in his mid set, late 70s. Yeah, he looks he good. He looks pretty good. I mean, granted, he's taken, you know, he's, I'm sure he's taken a bunch of crap. And I, again, I don't do that stuff. I, I just haven't been interested in that stuff. But I think, irrespective of that, I think it's the training and the nutrition and the good yeah. lifestyle. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, because you got people telling you like, I'm going to take, I'm going to live to be you know, like these uh, biohacker guys that think they're going to live to 180 because they, yeah. you know, they, <laughs> yeah, they inject weird shit into their body and they take 150 supplements. I think that's yep. all bullshit going on, yep. honestly, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yep. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? It's, it's, uh, it's going to be fun to find out. It's going to be fun to find out. So, well, Sean, dude, I appreciate you taking time out of your hectic schedule. I mean, you went to from Rogan's podcast to my podcast. So I kind of feel like, <laughs> all right, that's what I'm talking about. I like the, there you go. I like You're that. up there, man. You're up um, there. So anyway, but no, I, I truly just want to say thank you for everything you do and in, in, in the community of, you know, just helping people. And I love how passionate you are. And, uh, you don't, you don't even have to see it. I mean, you don't have to talk about it. You, I can see it. People can see how passionate you are about helping people, getting people off their medication and going through just diet and lifestyle changes. What we know is, obviously the hardest thing, lifestyle changes, right? It's hard to get people to change what they've been doing for years and years. But if you can just convince them, just try it for a week, two weeks, a month, and and then they see those changes, right? They feel those changes. No more pain in the knee, no more, you know, inflammation, no more, you know, gluconeogenesis. I mean, gluconeogenesis. I mean, just no more dropping your blood sugar, just feeling 
better yeah. overall. It's 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 one of those things that's just it's amazing. And I just want to tell you, thank you, man. Thank you for just being. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just interject here, uh, Logan. I think the biggest thing we can do as sort of practitioners or promoters of healthy lifestyle is. Um, I mean, there's so much focus on weight loss. And I mean, I get it. Every, you, you can look in the mirror and see I look better. But it's so much more than that. It's mental health. It's physical health. It's how you feel, how your digestion works, how your knees feel, how your back feels, your, your, your libido, your general sense of happiness. And if you say, look, you know, that's why I think I've had so much, uh, I guess, reward uh, is because I've been focusing on, hey, look at this guy. He had MS. He could barely walk. And now he's, got, he's back to a working. He's got yeah. a job. Here's this woman that, here's this guy that had, you know, Crohn's disease and he was on the toilet 20 times a day, pissed, you know, crapping out blood. And now he's not even on medications. He's got back to a normal life. So those are the things to me that are going to really resonate with people because, you know, it, it often takes like you, like you've, you're acutely aware, it often takes pain to make us change our direction. And, yes. and, and I think a lot of people are pain, are feeling a lot of pain right now. Yep. And the answer in my view, again, you're not going to medicate your way out of this. You've got to do the things and the nice thing about like you know in my view like a carnivore diet or things like that is the food ain't bad man i mean no. you know, it's like it's not like it's, it's torque like i you know i eat freaking steaks every day and and you know i'm fortunate i can afford that but i mean i'm not i'm not like struggling to enjoy my food i like yep. the hell out of what i mean i'm like my dog you know when i feed my dogs and they get meat they're dancing they're drooling they're yep. excited that's the same way I am. i'm literally like you know i'm kind of drooling man thinking about that damn you know ribeye steak cooking so Anyway, awesome, man. I love it. I love it, man. Well, hey, appreciate you and uh, everything you do. And uh, where can people find you? And tell them, tell them about your company. Yeah, well, let me let me just take a second to, to talk about that. So Rivero.com is a digital online health company. We are licensed in all 50 states, so we have doctors in all 50 states. Our mission is basically to treat people with chronic disease. We're focusing on metabolic disease and autoimmune disease and inflammatory diseases. So like diabetes, hypertension, metabolic syndrome, obesity, Crohn's disease, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, all the autoimmune diseases. Um, and we have, you know, a whole team that's there to support people, to get people off medications when possible, to treat the root cause, you know, to actually, you know, reverse disease, cure disease, to treat, treat the root cause where possible instead of just, you know, here's your pill, here's your pill, you know, and, and that's, that's getting away from, in my mind, that's what medicine should be. Uh, and so we're very excited about that. We have, uh, we are launching, you know, I think, the, you know, the first of, of the year. So coming up, we have, I think we have something like 5,000 people on our waiting list right now, which is, which wow. is quite good. So going That's on awesome. Rogan and talking about it obviously is helpful. Uh, but yeah, we're excited about that. And so um, that's the company. So Rivero, R-E-V-E-R-O.com. Uh, my social media, I'm on Instagram, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, 1967, which is my birth year. I'm on X formerly Twitter at S Baker MD. I've got a YouTube channel, Sean Baker MD, and I've even got a crazy TikTok channel, Sean Baker MD, which I always, <laughs> yes. I always laugh about the fact that I have TikTok. But, <laughs> but anyway, that's that's where I'm at. Love it. All right, guys. So that's where you can find Dr. Sean Baker and everybody. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the What's Goody podcast. We'll check you uh, on the next one. Peace. All right.